and welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's. Today is April 15th, halfway through April. Wake up to a bunch of snow here in Colorado. Gotta love that. Gotta love the fact that we had 60 to 7 degree and even up almost to 80 this past week. And then come my weekend when I want to go bike riding and spend a lot of time outside, uh, we deal with a bunch of snow. So um, here I'll be back while I go punch the weather in the face real quickly. All right. I think um, I'm back. I think he... The weather got the message. I'm not going to say he because we don't know if the weather is a he, she, or it, or maybe it's just all-encompassing all the genders or non-binary, whatever. Um, you know what? Kicked, kicked them to the curb because I'm ticked right now because I wanted to do some cycling, like I said. But without further ado, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about medical conditions associated with smooth musculature, providing... Well, I'm going to provide the definitions, symptomatology, etymology, and anything else associated with each pathology that we're going to go through. Pathos referring to suffering, ology referring to the, stu uh, the, the study of the suffering of the sufferings that uh, are acute and or chronic within the body that we deal with. So if you're interested, you want to learn a little bit more. And if you don't know what a smooth muscle is, think about it in anatomy. We uh, define the body to have three types of musculature. We have our skeletal. Um, I think it's very funny that the Brits call it the skeletal, but um, you know what? Y'all are great. I think that that's a, that's a fun way to do it. The skeletal muscle, aka skeletal muscle, aka biceps, quads, glutes, anything that you think about when you're working out and trying to create hypertrophy, you're trying to sculpt your body, doing a little ting, ting, ting-a-ling. Um, and sculpting and, you know, isolating musculature and stuff like that. That's all smooth muscle. I'm sorry, skeletal muscle. Smooth muscle, however, is uh, all mu muscles associated with the parasympathetic uh, nervous system. Para meaning alongside, sympathetic referring to, sim meaning together and or with, pathos referring to, um, well, in this case, suffering and or feeling in this case. This more so is going to probably be the feeling um, so the parasympathetic um, is going to be the um, alongside um, and together with uh, the the feeling. And what is the, uh, your sympathetic response? Well, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. Sympathetic is the fight or flight. Parasympathetic is the rest and digest. So anything involving involving um, food. You know, your esophagus, your stomach, your your intestines, both small, your pileum, your duodenum, your, we'll get into it. We got all that, your colon, your everything. So if you want to learn something new, um, stick with me. We're going to learn about all of these. And I actually did some learning of myself because there are certain things like, um, you know, I'd never heard of the the term abdominal migraines before, but something that I kind of have dealt with in the past. Uh, and it's very interesting to kind of dive into these things because, um, you know, we just, there was a teacher I think I was talking about prior, you know, I'm not going to share too much information, but, um, you know, he had been out, uh, you know, more than he had actually been at school this past semester. And he actually finally had to put his, put in his resignation because he was just dealing with a lot of, um, 
infections. You know, it, it, apparently it started out as a sinus infection, turned into H.P. pylori, hadn't, then hadn't seen him, hadn't heard from him for a while. Turns out it ended up being IBD at the end of the day. And he finally got his medication. Medi Medicaid was holding out on his medication and they wouldn't allow him or they wouldn't cover the cost of his tetracycline, which, you know, that should really be a copay of just like, you know, 30 bucks, 40 bucks tops, you know, it, 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 like, but he was calling Walgreens and he was trying to see if, you know, if he were to pay, pay out of pocket, um, it would have been 700 bucks according to Walgreens. And so he was just raw dogging it without the, um, uh, the, the medications, the antibiotics. And when you're not taking antibiotics, when you have a fairly severe infection, like that's kind of severe. That's not like a low grade infection that just kind of like persists. You know, H. pylori is kind of bad. And a lot of the time, it's very interesting. Adults don't really have it a lot of the time. It's more of a um, kind of an adolescent uh, infection. But eventually, I think it just ended up, you know, and that's me. Remember when I was talking about depression and talking about my health and when I got really sick and how it was both mental and physical, like, I couldn't imagine he was in a situation where he's trying to, you know, get introduced to his first job teaching, he's trying to, you know, make a, you know, he's got a wife, he's got two kids, he's, but, you know, when you're missing a lot of school, you know that you want to be there, but you're stressed out and you're trying to force yourself to be there because he, he would try and come at the beginning of the day and then, um, and then he would have to, he would have to leave like at the very beginning. He, like a lot of the time my students would, I'd be like, I thought I saw him earlier today and, uh, and he's not here anymore. And my students would usually be like, yeah, you know, he, uh, yeah, he threw up and then he just left. Um, so he's just, he dealt with a lot. And so, um, irritable bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I hate it when they slap the word syndrome on it, because when you slap the syndrome on, they basically don't really have a diagnosis. They just have a culmination of symptoms, uh, that encompass what makes a syndrome. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just, it, it it's frustrating when they do that. But, um, you know, anyways, I'm glad that he got his diagnosis. I saw him actually yesterday, he was clearing out his stuff and I was able to exchange phone numbers with him. So I'm going to be able to see him a little bit before he heads out to his other adventure, um, in a few months. But yeah, you know, just remember that stomach issues are persisting quite a lot right now. They're in fact, fairly rife. Um, I have a lot of stomach issues. I deal with them quite a lot. Um, in fact, on a daily basis. And, um, it's just, like I said, you know, it's, it's, you know, the video game of life that I'm playing, I'm playing kind of on a harder mode. Um, it really does make me, um, make my life more difficult. And I can say that objectively because, um, I know that I could show up so much more in my life if I didn't have to think about the discomfort or the pain when, you know, I'm enduring it because I tend to deal with it daily. It's a, it's a daily thing. Uh, throughout the day, at some point, I am feeling it. I am dealing with it. I am. Yeah. And uh, people don't know. People don't understand. People just call me saying that I have tummy issues and whatnot. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that 
we can't move past that. And I feel like, you know, that's why I refuse to talk a lot about my stomach issues for a long time, because people would just make fun of me for it. People don't understand. It's kind of like still stigmatized. You know how like mental illness has been stigmatized for so long. And now we're not really, you know, we're not slapping it um, as a, a fault of the person and a character trait of the person and a fault of their character, in fact. In fact, we're just thinking about mental illness as just kind of a disease of the mind that we that we deal with. Um, I don't think that we've kind of crossed that that Rubicon yet, that threshold um, uh, with stomach stuff a lot of the time because uh, you know people are like, "Oh, you're just you're, you're you'll be okay. It's just a stomach ache." It's like you know what? It's more, and it's a daily thing for me, and it's pain and. Um, you know, and it becomes systemic. It affects other parts of my body as well. You know, ever since I got sick, it, it was a very systemic thing that happened to my body. And it persists now chronically, mainly within my gut. But within my gut, it also can affect my brain sometimes because we know how we talk about our gut being our second brain. So this is why I want to talk about these smooth muscles, these pathologies, and maybe you deal with them, or maybe I can provide some sort of my own knowledge to this kind of stuff. Because remember, like I said, I am an experimenter and I experiment, I've been experimenting on my body, trying to figure out what works best for me for eight, nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since I got sick, that's why I had to take a medical leave of absence from school. Um, when I was going to school in Washington and why I had to finish up in Utah, I would never have left school in Washington if I wouldn't have got sick. Never would have. In fact, the reason or the, when I got sick, it completely changed the paradigm of my life and my outlook on life and what I thought was supposed to be my life, aka my linear perception, the goggles that I had had on for so long because I was so driven and result oriented and A plus B plus C equals one, two, three. I was going to go four years in college, no more, no less, no super senior. For me, I was going to go into the eventual master's or PhD route, or I was going to go into the workforce and so on and so forth. But when those things happen, they throw you and they, they basically throw your whole world upside down. Um, you got to work with it and you got to learn how to be adaptable. And that was the first time that I had to learn how to be adaptable because I held on to my linear perception too, too long until I finally relinquished it. And I realized that my life and your life and everybody's life, you can't control it. There are going to be extenuating factors that are going to come up and you're going to have to just roll with it. And you're going to have to be like Bruce Lee said, got to be just like water. Got to let it roll off you. Got to let it, and you just got to accept it and ride the waves and understand that um, undulation, un unda, means wave in Latin. The action of, of being in waves essentially is what undulating is. That's what life is bunches of waves, you know, with the goal of a progression upwards, but you know, it's not linear. Nothing said is linear, um, except for a linear curve um, on a, a math problem that somebody has created and made up on their own. Regardless, I am ramble bamble, skiba da bopping, and I need to shut my face so that we can get into some of these words. 
So without further ado, let's jump right on into it. Alrighty, the first one we have here is gastroesophageal. There we go. Gastroesophageal reflux disease, which is GERD, G-E-R-D. GERD, a lot of people deal with this, is a condition in which the stomach acid or other contents of the stomach flow back up into the esophagus, causing pain, discomfort, um, you know, and can come all the way up into your mouth, and that's going to lead to uh, enamel um, loss and or just like, you know, burning of the mouth because hydrochloric acid is meant to be in the stomach. It's not meant to kind of go out of the stomach. If you didn't know what at the at the top, but where your esophagus hooks to your your stomach, there's a sphincter, just like there's a sphincter between your your anus and the outside world, essentially. Um, there's that same thing and it closes and opens. But what happens is with GERD, the sphincter hasn't closed, which is what allows that hydrochloric acid to bubble back up. And it includes symptoms like heart pain, regurgitation, chest pain, difficulty swallowing, sour taste, all that kind of stuff. It comes from the Greek words gastro, meaning stomach, and esophagus, meaning throat. Ezo, meaning within. Phagus means consumption. So the within consumption, a.k.a. throat. Um, so if you didn't know, now you know. A lot of people take um, Pepto-Bismol to mitigate this. Uh, you're just doing more harm than good uh, because you're blunting uh, your actual hydrochloric acid. People think that when you have GERD, you have a higher amount of hydrochloric acid. This is not the case. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I promise you. Um, maybe in certain cases, maybe you're producing uh, a boatload of hydrochloric acid in your in your stomach. But at the end of the day, what really is happening is that you have a low amount of hydrochloric acid that's not allowing for your body to recognize that, well, there is enough food in the body for the sphincter to close and then for that hydrochloric acid to do its, you know, its process of breaking down proteins and bacteria and all that kind of stuff. Another line of defense, right? We have our lines of defense when we consume things, right? A lot of the time, hydrochloric acid is going to be breaking down the particulates, um, proteins, um, and, uh, you know, bacteria as well. And then we have enzymatic process that gets secreted. And then that, you know, breaks down carbohydrates, amylase, protease for protein, um, lipase for lipids, and so on and so forth. We have all those, uh, you know, the fats get emulsified, whereas all these other macronutrients get digested. Um, so what we really should be doing, and this is what I've done, because I've actually had had this ever since I got sick, you know, a lot of things have been systemic within my body, and this is one of them that I've figured out that um, what has helped me out a lot is supplementing with hydrochloric acid tablets. Just taking, like, I take like three to four dependent on before a meal, like 10, 15 minutes before, just to prime my body and create, you know, a little bit more of that semblance of hydrochloric acid. You want that in your body. You want it to chew up that food because I also deal with a lot of malabsorption problems. That's why it's hard for me to, to gain weight a lot of the time. So if you have like, if you ever have stools that, you know, maybe if there's oil sitting at the top, or maybe a lot of your stools are floating a lot of the time, or maybe, maybe you have, um, you know, rancid gas, you know, those things are all signs from your body that are telling you that you're not digesting your food optimally. Um, you know how guys are like, oh yeah, I got the protein for it. You better stay away from me. You better, you better get away. Um, 
that's uh you don't you shouldn't really wear <laughs> that reminds me of college yeah you shouldn't wear that as pride because at the end of the day well you're your your gas reeks i've had that problem before in the past where i'm like i need to up my protein but then when i up my protein too much then it becomes and when you when it smells like that you know your body is not assimilating those nutrients properly there is some sort of fermentation process there's some sort of thing going on in your body that's saying like you know what this is a little bit more difficult for me to deal with um why are you doing this to me uh, give me something easier to digest. It's all about experimentation. Um, for me, for instance, I've realized that I love meat. I love that kind of stuff. But for some reason, meat proteins, I don't digest nearly as well as plant-based and or um, things like yogurt or fermented things. And that's just something that I've come to realize. And then you got to understand like, well, all right, well, if I'm not getting a lot of red meat, maybe I need to, you know, look elsewhere for maybe some iron, some red meat. I need to get some of more of those kinds of, because red meat's very important. I'm not, don't at me vegetarians or vegans that are out there. If you guys listen, because, Hey, I'm, I'm more plant-based as well. Um, it just works better for my body. But at the end of the day, too much, too much fiber also can mess me up as well. So as you can see, there's a lot of, you know, weighing of what is going to work, what's not. So think about it. If you deal with GERD, I would just, you know, you can go on Amazon, look up some hydrochloric acid tablets. Um, there are plenty of brands uh, and uh, they are cheap as can be. I get to a 260 count for like 11, no, I'm sorry, 15 bucks, 250, 60 tablets. Um, lasts me a ton of time. I take, I have one for... Uh, that I keep at school for my food uh, and lunches and stuff like that, and one for home, um, consider it. I'm not, this is not medical advice or anything like that. Probably going to have to put a little disclaimer at the end uh, because I realize that I'm kind of going in depth with these things. But at the end of the day, um, and I'm trying not to say at the end of the day so much, um, these things can be, you know, tools and uh, th this isn't like some sort of medical intervention. This is just supplementing with hydrochloric acid, just baby steps. Kind of like if you're introducing fiber into your diet, you don't just add 30 grams of fiber all in one day or else you're going to wreck yourself. You're going to wreck yourself to the nth degree and you're never going to want to eat fiber again. So you got to scaffold that stuff up. You got to start little by little by little by little. So think about it, consider it, maybe do one tablet eat a meal, see how you do, maybe take two, maybe take three. What they've said in the past is that what you want to do is you want to take like maybe like two, wait a little bit. If you feel a little bit of like some heat or something going on in your stomach, that's typically when you're like, all right, that's good. Now I'm going to eat my food. I prime my body to digest that food and to, to kind of break that down even more so because you want to assimilate your nutrients, right? If you're eating the food, you want to get the nutrients that you're eating from or else it's just going to become uh, expensive poop and expensive uh, urine. So let's not have that happen. Let's be able to assimilate our nutrients and have them innervate our body and, uh, you know, help us be the strong individuals that we want to be throughout this life.
The next one that we're going to get into is irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. Also, it can be the more severe form, IBD, irritable bowel disease. Um, I don't really know actually how they can slap the syndrome on versus the disease. In fact, I think they just really need to go to disease at this point because IBS is not really helping out anybody because when you slap a syndrome on, like I said, it's just basically taking all of these symptoms that don't really correlate and then saying like, oh, you got an irritable bowel. Irritable coming from irritabilis in uh, Latin, meaning irritable. And, um, you know, yeah, I'm just, yeah. So if you have an irritable bowel, you have an irritable bowel. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for letting me know that it's, it's hard for me to poop sometimes, or it's hard for me to digest food or that I feel my food as I eat it and it going throughout my body entirely. You know, it's just one of those things. It's like, thanks for telling me something that I already really knew. IBS really is a disorder. That's what a syndrome is. Syndromes are disorders. They're not diseases. Um, this meaning away from ordo, ordinis, the order of. So away from the order, away from the norm. It's a disorder of the large intestine that causes the abdominal uh, or abdominal pain, bloating, changes in bowel habits. It, it can be IBSC to IBSD, or it can be a combination of both. C meaning constipation, D meaning diarrhea. Um, yeah. So if you didn't know, now you know. If you deal with IBS, I'm sorry. I've also been slapped that term before and it has helped me out zero because, um, you know, when I first got sick, you know, all the symptomatology that I bring to the doctors, I remember one doctor, like I had said in a prior, prior podcast of mine, he basically told me, he was like, you know, none of these things are adding up. Are you telling me the truth? And he was like, because this doesn't make any sense. And, um, and it was like, oh, I'm sorry, just because you don't understand, um, what's going on with me, he's just going to blame me at the end of the day and tell me it's psychosomatic. It's stupid. This, the, when I got sick is when I got a real, real, real um, good look at Western medicine and how much I don't like a lot of it and how we are kind of in, um, in a stage where we're really great at dealing with the acute stuff. I, I love Western medicine for the acute, but hey, for the chronic, um, mm, we, need to, we, we need to get better at that kind of stuff. Because we're not. We suck. We suck a lot. And we, chronic stuff are cash cows for big pharma and for big corporations, right? Uh, you're, you know, big pharma ain't going to be making a lot of money off of a bunch of fit and healthy people. But hey, if you can chronically give them some sort of pill and keep on giving it to them until the end of their lives, then you know what? You're going to be making money off of them uh, consistently. So... Punch him in the face for me. I've already punched him in the face a lot. Diverticulitis is going to be the next one here. Diverticulitis is a uh, condition in which uh, small budging pou bulging pouches, rather, called diverticula, form in the wall of the large intestine. Symptoms include abdominal pain, cramps, diarrhea, constipation, and fever. The etymology of the term is derived from the Latin words diverticulum, meaning pouch, and itis, the Greek pre or suffix, meaning inflammation. So inflammation of the pouch, essentially. And then if you want to look at it in the Greek sense, so that was the Latin sense, but the Greek sense, etymologically, it's going to come from the Greek root diverticulos, um, D-I-V-E-R-T-I-K-U-L-O-S. 
meaning small pouch, itis again, inflammation. So diverticulum in Latin means pouch, diverticulos in the Greek means small pouch, either one. Inflammation of the small pouch, inflammation of the pouch. A lot of the time, diverticulitis is seen after you do a colonoscopy. They go up and they do the scope. They see that there are diverticula in there, and then they got to snippety, snippety, snip um, them out of there, um, or else they can become more problematic. Um, but they do are they are recurring. Um, uh, uh, this is nothing like a polyps, for instance, and I'll get into that in a bit. Uterine fibroids. Uterine fibroids are non-cancerous growths. There we go, Liam. In the uterus that can cause heavy menstrual bleeding, pelvic pressure, um, and pain. Uh, The etymology of the term is derived from the Latin word uterus, meaning womb, and fibra, meaning fibrous tissue. So the fibrous tissue of the womb, essentially. Okay, so I don't have a lot to say about it because I actually, I don't have um, uh, a uterus, but um, I wanted to, I'm always trying to incorporate both what men and women are going to deal with, and maybe you deal with uterine fibroids, um, and uh, I'm sorry. I wish I could say more about that. I don't know why I'm being so awkward about it. Sorry, I'm being awkward. I'm going to move on to the next one, though, because I'm not awkward about talking about that kind of stuff because um, it's all a part of the body. You guys know me. I'm, I talk about poop on the rake. In fact, let's etymologize diarrhea real quickly because I did it for my students the other day, and they thought it was funny. Diarrhea has nothing to do with poop. Dia means through. Rhea means uh, a flowing. So... Essentially, diarrhea means a flowing through, like a diameter, dia through meter length. A diameter cuts through the length of a circle. Boom, shakalaka. Next one we have here, abdominal migraines. Abdominal migraines come from, well, abdomen, abdominis, meaning um, the abdomen of the stomach, essentially in the Latin. And then migraine refers to severe headache. It it comes from the, the Latin, actually, severe headache. Um, abdominal migraines are recurrent episodes of abdominal pain that may be accompanied by nausea and vomiting. Um, yeah, I've dealt with this before. Sometimes I, I don't know why, like when I was really getting, getting better, um, still sick sometimes. And it wasn't even after I'd ate anything or anything that was even sitting in my stomach. I can't even remember, but it would just be these issues where, um, I would get really nauseous or I would have a really bad stomach ache or something like that. And that would end up being a, into a, you know, uh, uh, nausea into vomiting, for instance. I remember that happening quite a few times. Um, and I never really understood why. Um, it would just be a very, very um, acute thing. And it would just come on happenstance. Um, and it was debilitating sometimes. Gosh, I remember one time I was like in the kitchen with my girlfriend at the time and we were just talking and then all of a sudden here I am, I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw up. And then all of a sudden I, and I didn't even ate anything. It was like right in the beginning of the morning. And then here I am, I just am just like dry heaving. And, uh, so if you deal with this, like, I'm like, I don't really know why that happens. Maybe it's just kind of like, your body's just out of whack as my body was out of whack at that time. But, um, yeah, sucks. Stomach stuff sucks. You guys, it really does. It can be so debilitating. 
Next one we have here, gastroparesis. Gastroparesis is a condition in which the stomach muscles are weak and the food empties slowly from the stomach. So this is where basically paresis means pa paralyzing, aka weakness in the Greek, um, in gastro meaning stomach. So weakness of the stomach essentially is what it means etymologically. And symptomatology may include nausea, vomiting, bloating, and abdominal pain. So... This one could also be one where you uh, could utilize hydrochloric acid and see how it works. Um, uh, you know, I am not sponsored by hydrochloric acid because it is just a um, synthesized stuff that's coming from your stomach already that your body is using um, on the reg. All right. Anyways. Give it a shot if you're curious. I mean, uh, what do you have to lose? It's 15 bucks for some hydrochloric acid pills. And I'm all about trying to supplement with nutrients and or minerals and or whatever before going into any sort of a sort of pharmacological route. Um, that's just me. I don't like taking drugs. Anybody that knows me knows that uh, um I can't remember the last time I took Advil. I think the last time I took Advil was when I had to get a root canal. And that was last year. And I really try not to do that kind of stuff because uh, excessive amounts of using of, uh, you know, ibuprofen and NSAIDs, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, you, they can lead to gastric uh bleeding if uh, abused for too long. So uh, that's another thing to note. Next one we have here is pilitis. Pilitis is a medical condition in which the pileum or the, yeah, the pileum, the, which is the area around the kidney um, is inflamed. Symptoms include lower back pain, fever and pain or discomfort when urinating. Um, the cause is usually bacterial or viral a lot of the time. Um, and the etymology comes from pile, meaning kidney in the Greek, um, and itis, inflammation of. Pile, P-Y-E-L. And again, for those that are curious about the spelling of these words, I will be providing them in the show notes. Alrighty, the next one that we have here is going to be esophageal spasm. Um, esophageal spasm occurs when normal muscles contract in the esophagus, but they become either too strong or too weak. Um, symptoms include chest pain, difficulty swallowing, and heartburn. It is typically caused by underlying health conditions such as GERD, GERD, um, scleroderma, or diabetes. Sclero means the hardening of, and derma refers to the skin, the hardening of the skin. Um, in this case, I actually don't know what scleroderma is, so I'm going to do a little bit of a copy-paste here and see if my etymology has helped me actually suss out what that is. Scleroderma is an autoimmune connective tissue and rheumatic disease that causes inflammation in the skin and other areas of the body. Let's go. Hardening of the skin. It's a chronic hardening and tightening of the skin and connective tissues. Yo. Look at that. When you understand the words that are embedded within a term, a medical term, you can suss it out. Look at that. I just did that on the fly, and I didn't even know what scleroderma was. Now I do. The hardening of the derma. 
the dermis, aka oh, I love I love talking about the skin. That was one thing that in medical that I really, really, really could understand really well is looking at all of the the epithelial tissues and being able to like uh, to differentiate um, uh, in like uh, the the. The imaging, essentially, like whether it was epithelial squamous, uh, pseudostratified, uh, columnar, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was very interesting for me. I don't know why. And something that really, really stuck in my head, like, you know, for you know, just doing another little etymological thing here before we actually get into esophageal spasms etymology. You have epidermis. What is epi? Epi means upon. Um, and then dermis, skin, upon the skin. It's the outer layer of the skin, essentially. Etymologically, though, for esophageal uh, uh, spasm, uh, spasm coming from spasmos, muscle contraction, esophagos, throat. Again, as if we want to do the assimilated form, ezo meaning within, phagos coming from phagy meaning the consumption or the eating, so the eating within. And what is the eating within? Well, that's what the throat does, right? Because the eating goes down and then the esophagus does its little you know, contractions to help, you know, move it down through the esophagus with the help of gravity to end up in the tummy tum. Gastritis is going to be our next one here. Gastritis is a condition characterized by inflammation of the stomach lining. Stomachs may include stomach pains. I'm sorry, symptoms may include stomach pains, nausea, vomiting, and or loss of appetite gastro-stomach-itis inflammation of, and is typically caused by bacterial infections, prolonged use of certain medications, um, like I said with NSAIDs, or chronic alcohol use. Chronic alcohol use because it is an irritant to the gut, um, and it also is a microbiome annihilator. Um, yeah, gastritis can kind of happen through uh, your own uh, dealio, your own lifestyle and choices. The next one here that we're going to get into, and our last one, is going to be urethritis. Urethritis, there we go. At me if I pronounce that a little incorrect, but it's a medical condition that occurs when the urethra becomes inflamed, uh, usually due to bacterial or viral infections. Symptoms may include pain or burning while urinating, discomfort in the area around the urethra, or excess urinary frequency. Etymologically, it comes from the Greek root uro or aura. Aura, yeah, that's better. O-U-R-A, meaning urine, and itis, inflammation of. So the inflammation of the urine, essentially, and, um, you know, we know that there's ha things happening probably with the kidneys that are involved with it. The urethra is probably inflamed. Uh, you know, there's bacteria happening because remember, uh, the kidneys are an ultimate filtration system. That's why if you, um, that's where kidney stones come from is when your body is kind of like, well, kidney stones can happen for a lot of different reasons. Um, but, um, yeah, you, you, essentially... To, to try and do it in layman's terms, kidneys are really just, um, you know, urine a lot of the time is just filtered blood and the fluid within that we consume within our body, but it's it's going throughout these process all day long, okay? So if you didn't know, now you know. I'm going to leave it there, you guys. 
And uh, I hope you learned something new. And well, if you did, and if you may be curious about implementing hydrochloric acid, of which in this case, I want to go ahead and reiterate that I am providing no medical advice whatsoever in this episode. I am just giving my own anecdotal information and, um, you know, trying to help out people. If you may be dealing with any of these things, uh, I hear you. I feel you and I know your pain. I know your suffering and I know that people don't really understand. Or maybe people are just, they're, they're kind of not super cognizant about their feeling. They don't have the interoception, the proprioception, and the understanding of the body within to really understand that what they're doing and their lifestyle is leading to a chronically inflamed state. Um, you know, like with diabetes and with, you know, hypertension and obesity and all these things, you know, sometimes it makes me think like, how do people get to that point? Because I would be in so much pain and suffering and maybe they are, and they just kind of like, you know, dissociate from that pain. And the way that they dissociate is by consuming the things that they want to consume, um, which leads into a cyclical cycle and kind of a, well, a positive feedback loop, which really is a negative feedback loop. But you know, it, the reason why I say positive feedback, it's like, when you put two, um, you know, microphones together, right? And you get that positive feedback where it starts to go, that's a positive feedback, right? It starts to feed back off of one or the other, right? And it's just going to get louder and louder and louder and louder. So that's what I mean by positive feedback. But in this case, it's really a negative feedback loop. So, yeah. Take control of your life. Try and figure it out. This is your one life. This is your vessel. Love it and appreciate it. It makes me think about my prior episode talking about all the the eating disorders that innervate our culture now, and you know, whether it be anorexia or, or or orthorexia or you know all these other things. It's just like take care of yourself and understand that. I'm not going to say and understand that. Just take care of yourself. This is your one vessel. You got to treat it the way that you want to so that it carries you throughout this life in a healthy way and in a way where you can show up for yourself and for everybody else around you and that you're not a drag at the end of the day, that you're not upset. You know, whenever you have you realized when you're sick and you're not feeling well, that you're kind of crank, cranky or cantankerous, you're, you're not happy, you're you're like, or you have a hard time mitigating emotions, or, you know, you have less patience, you know, you have to realize that the gut is such an important mood regulator as well. I realized that when my gut is at its best, I am so feeling on top of the world. I know that that sounds so simple, but I mean that like when my gut's good, I am good. I am, you know, that's when I'm gaining muscle. I'm gaining weight. I'm moving more weight. I'm showing up. I've got energy. I have vitality. I want to interact more with the people around me. I'm more gregarious. And that's just what I, I want to do in my life. You know, <clears throat> I don't have a lot to give in this world. And I don't know how I really will be remembered, if I will be at all. 
But if I am remembered, I want to be remembered as this kind individual, this person that shows up for those that are around them, that loves unconditionally, that gives love unconditionally, that doesn't ask for things and doesn't keep things as leverage over other people. I know so many people that do that where they think that they're gracious, but at the end of the day, they're like, well, I did this for you, so you need to do this for me now. That's that's dumb. Yeah, my parents have even done that to me in my life. It's just, sorry to add you guys, but you've done that quite a bit. It's not cool. And, uh, and my siblings have done that to me. My friends have done that to me. I've done that to other people as well. It's manipulative and it's not cool. I'm not doing that anymore. That's not the energy I want to bring into this world. So with that being said, I know that this is a rather long episode. Not sure really how long it's going to be, but it was fun. And I have a lot to say about it because I deal with a lot of good stuff. So thanks again for tuning in. And again, I appreciate you guys. Thank you again for showing up and being inquisitive and wanting to learn more. Tempest says to Skelleray.